Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We're caught up with Serafino Yacano. He's the CEO of Grant Columbia. I spoke to him two years ago, would you believe? Um, they have been moving uh, the pieces around their chessboard. Um, we talked through all of the moving parts uh, with him. If you want our thoughts and opinions, on that conversation, the business plan, the company itself, and the man himself. You can find that at cruxinvestor.com. Serafino, how are you, sir? Long time no speak. Long time. It's been a couple, uh, almost a couple of years. It has, it has. You're in London. That's how long ago yes, it sir. was. That's how long ago it was. Um, I'm glad. So where are you today? Where do we find you? I'm uh, in Punta Cana for a, for a few months. Working out of Punta Cana. Fantastic, fantastic, good. And uh, how, in fact, how's everyone surviving the the COVID onslaught down there? Is it a, is it a? Well, you thing? know, over here, over here is not that bad. Over here, they've only had since in the year and a half uh, a very low amount of debt. Uh, um, I got my shots about three months ago, so it's it's this is a a, a little United States. So it's a lot easier to to be here. Fantastic. Okay. Hey, well, look, I wanted to catch up. We, we've had it. We've spoken offline, but we haven't done an interview about what you guys have been up to because you've, you've done a few quite interesting things. And I'm sort of intrigued. But first, it might be worth, I usually get people to kick, kick up the one minute over with you, but I think it'll take about 10 minutes to get through it because you've been busy. Um, maybe the easiest way is go where you were and where you are now. So there's lots of new additions and lots of new things, and I'll probably like pick up on a few of those topics if I may. So, when you kick off with what you've been been doing, sure. That, uh, since we've seen each other, we had a great conversation, and I remember the conversation talking about what uh, Grand Columbia was going to do at the time. Uh, it was uh, stabilized production, lower cost, uh, develop the Marmato mine, uh, and and uh, and and. Uh, the acquisitions that we had made at that time of Goldex was something that we were monitoring to see if it was going to be something that we were going to do. Well, we've done a lot of things since then, uh, real quick, so that then we can go into the grain of things. Uh, number one, um, the production of the company has done fantastic. Grand Columbia is producing uh, this, this year is going to do 200 to 220,000 ounces is our guidance. We're very much on track. We brought up our costs down. Um, uh, the news of the company is that we're now paying a dividend. So this is a dividend-paying company, pays a 3% dividend a year. Um, our debt from last time that we spoke that was close to $90 million dollars. It's down to less than 19, and by the end of the year, it's going to be down to zero. Um, so all positive things. The most important positive thing that we did, we took something that was that was giving us zero value, which was Aris Gold, the Marmato mine, and uh, we financed it. We raised $300 million, and uh, it is now in the hands of a very capable um, management team had uh, added by Neil Woodyear that is running the company. We're very happy with that. And for us now, it's an investment, but we created value for our, for our shareholders. And uh, um, we, uh, the, the other thing that uh, we have done, um, we are st uh, 
started looking at investments like uh, uh, Goldex. We waited almost two years. Goldex matured as a project. It's a fantastic multi-million ounce project. And last week, we closed the acquisition of that. And we have put in our portfolio additional things to look at. Quite a few moving. Thanks for keeping it simple, by the way. Um, let's 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 kind of go in, you know, into certain components. I probably don't have time today to get cover everything because I think you know each one could probably is a conversation in, on its own. So let's look at the the, the cornerstone components. Obviously, uh, Segovia. That's the thing that's throwing out the cash. That's allowing you to do all of these things. So you've issued what guidance at 200, 220 thousand ounces, and you, you've got the numbers down to what your ASIC. Cash well, we, we have uh, right now we're producing our gold with uh, all in sustainable cost, true all in sustainable cost, uh, less than all in at about uh, less than $1,100, so about $1,500, somewhere around there. Right. Um, and that includes servicing of debt and all of, and, and all of that. Um, so let's talk about the production because I think that's. That's the key, as you say, that, that we have to develop ourselves on. Um, the company is doing fantastic. Um, it's producing uh, uh, our last year. We did two uh, net of uh, what uh, uh, Marmato gave us, 200,000 ounces. This year, we're going to do 200 to 220,000 ounces of gold. Um, our debt is gone. Uh, almost gone, and by the end of the year, it's going to be gone. So that gives us the capability of uh, giving a dividend. The dividend is a fantastic dividend to pay. It's one of the highest dividends to, uh, that, that, that is being paid by a mining company. In the rank of the top five companies, we pay 3% dividend, uh, which amounts to a, great, a, a nice amount of money paid on a monthly basis. Um, the company, the, the company has got a bright future. Uh, we're going to be concentrating ourselves in the next uh, in the next twelve months to develop um, uh, the other twenty four fronts that we have in the mine. Not only where we're producing our material, but also where we're producing our material. We still keep on finding fantastic grades. Today we announced. Um, some a lot of results that people should pay attention to incredible high grades uh, that uh, it shows us that uh, Segovia has a long way to go and a lot of reserves still to be found. Okay, so look, Segovia is this high grade underground mine. Uh, what is what's the remind me the life of mine currently without what do we know? Oh, right now we have two and a half million ounces in, in, in resources plus 600,000 ounces in reserves. Okay. Um, so you've got, a, you've, got a, you've got a ways to go. And if you keep mining that properly and, and let's say no, no, no problems down the line and, and you can grow it, that's your ATM. That's your that's your cash at hand to grow this business. Is that is that the way you're looking at it? Because you're, you're not shy on doing it, deals. No. Look, the deals is because we have to have diversification and we have to take advantage of being a company that makes money. Um, last year, we did $170 million in EBITDA. So it's a lot of, it's a nice amount of money, comfortable for a company that had no money and, uh, and eight years ago was, uh, was in a restructuring mode. So this has been an incredible turnaround for the company. 
Um, and although sometimes investors forget, last time, two years ago, when we spoke, the stock was trading at, uh, at $3 or so $275. And, and even with today with the market, we have some people that complain that we should be worth more. We all like, like to be worth more. The stock trades in the $5, $6 range all the time. So we've given incredible return to investors. We have a stable company now that makes money. And that gives us the opportunity to look at deals like Goldex or deals like uh, 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 Denarius. That is another deal that we just invested in. But here's this one I'm trying to get at, Serfina, is, is look, you've got a, a mine in, in the shape of uh, Segovia, which is throwing off cash. Right, that's a nice, nice, simple story. But then you do things like your kind of quite creative financial structuring that you did in the early days to kind of get yourself in a position to take advantage of of Sokovia. That was kind of unconventional. So you're starting to do unconventional things. You're spinning out a, a company and um, you know create, creating another one. So you know with Aris Gold, that's great, and that's probably a nice story in its own right. You've got forty four percent of that, which is super. You've, you've we, well, we probably won't time to talk too much about Daenerys today, and you've got Gold actually. There's a lot of moving parts here. Do you think people are finding it hard to actually pigeonhole you and go, "This is what uh, Grand Colombia is about"? Are you, you know, is, is there, do you need to strip it back a little bit for people perhaps? Well, look, you got to take a direction when you put a business together. If, uh, if I want to be a company that clips coupons and just sits around to wait that eventually uh, this mine is going to be a one mine uh, that produces uh, a steady 200,000 ounces of gold, and maybe it'll go to 250 or 300, and that's where it's going to be for the rest of its life. It's one type of a company. Um, we are in the model of a, a Mavericks like uh, Yamana. I mean, Yamana is not a mine that stops and said, all right, we just have a fantastic mine now. We'll just clip coupons. And, uh, and my job as, uh, as executive chairman of this company is to create value. We already are in the process of realizing value and increasing value in Grand Colombia. But if you stop there, then you might as well sell the mine because uh, it, you reached what you have reached. What do we want to be? We have, to, we have to decide. We were a little child. Now we are a teenager. Now we want to decide what, what do we want to do when we turn 18 years old. And Goldex for us is the 18-year-old. Uh, we want to be a mid-sized producer. That's what we announced that we want to be. And that's the direction that we're going to take. Um, we own 44% of, uh, of uh, Iris Gold. That is a fantastic mine with 6 million ounces of gold, but we don't want to run it. We already have a project that we're running in Colombia. We have a fantastic team that runs it. We're happy to be investors. Someday that investment, it's either going to be an investment that we're going to distribute to our shareholders, an investment that we might sell and realize value for our shareholders. But now we decided that the next place that we want to be is Guyana. And that's where we're going to be developing this multi, multi-million ounce project. Right. Okay. Fine. We haven't really talked. We haven't talked about uh, Tarapuru. Um, 
But do you think in terms of valuation, I mean, every CEO says to me we're undervalued, right? But you guys genuinely think you're just valued on, on, your, on your cash production, not necessarily about the answers in the ground. It seems you're, what are you, 500 million market cap today? You got 44% of ours, you got 27% of Darius, uh, you've got Tara Peru. Uh, you know, you've got, you've got gold eggs. It, it's like people aren't valuing those things and coming up with some of the parts. It's, it's, it's a puzzle to us because I give you a very simple breakdown for just to have an idea. You have, we sit on 100 million Canadian in cash right now in the bank. We're a company that pays a dividend every single month, so we, have, we make money. Um, the value of Aris Gold is about close to $180 million. Um, the value of uh, Goldex, we just bought it, $250 million. You got $400 million right there and then. Another $50 million out of, uh, uh, out of uh, Denarius, so it's $450 million in value. So you tell me there is a disconnect between investors. That's the job that we have to do. That if I look at it the way I look at my businesses all over, I look at a company, what is this company worth on a breakup value? And if I sold Aris Gold and if I sold Denarius because there are commodities that I have, the cash is cash. There is nothing. Cash is cash. And I take all of these pieces and I sell them. How much money would I make? And how much is uh, Segovia worth? That's the way I see it. And I know that Segovia is now worth $50 million or Segovia is worth $450 million and all the security and the cash is worth zero. So where is the disconnect? We are a story that has gone through fixing itself, getting itself going. We're trying to find an identity of what kind of company we want to be. We've decided that we want to be a mid-sized company that grows and creates value for shareholders. I think we've done that. Our next job is going to be to go to investors and make realize institutional investors how valuable this company is and what a great company is for growth. That's the job that we got to do. And I think that there's still a lot of people out there in the market that remember Grand Columbia for being what it was six years ago and not what it is today. And the people that, uh, that realize it are buying shares. I mean, we trade five, 600,000 shares a day. I mean, we're a very liquid company. For good or for bad, we're liquid. We're not a, for an appointment-only company uh, that trades. So talk to me about this share registry. I mean, how's that breakdown? Look, uh, and uh, this is where the problem, I think, that we believe that we have. When, uh, when we fell at a, at a point, we have about 50% of our shareholders are institutional investors or sizable investors. I would say probably 55. The other 45 is small investors. Some of them have been long investors of ours and very and like what they've seen. They've seen the growth. Some of these guys bought shares at 75 cents. Today, they're worth $5. It's just that people forget that this thing used to be 75 cents. And 
And we are in the hands that I believe one of the things that I totally dislike of what's happening in, in this modern market is the exchanges allowing naked shorts. And I think we have fallen into the hands like a lot of these mining companies are in the hands of these naked shorts. Brokers lending shares, uh, uh, electronic trading, doing uh, trading, shorting stocks and doing. They're in, they're out, they're in, they're out. And it creates an instability in a stock. And you can see it in the trading of our stock. Gold goes up, our stock goes up. Gold goes down, our stock goes down. And it goes with electronic trading, with uh, anonymous trading, uh, blocks of 100 and 1,000 at the biggest. It's not anybody like institutional investors buying and selling this thing. Our job now as management has got to be to go and change the demographic of the remaining 45% to be 25% retail investors and give that liquidity that makes the stock attractive to computers to go to go away. Yeah, no, we, we, we've had a couple of companies on here and we've actually interviewed someone about naked shorting specifically. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people go, you know, shorting should be allowed. Naked shorting obviously is, is illegal, um, but it, it's part of the market. And all you could do as a company is get on and, and do your business, I, I, I suspect. So it, if the one thing that you can do to uh, change it is move it into institutional hands, do you want to do that in Canada or do you want to do that in the U.S.? Well, what we want to do is we are seriously thinking about listing in the London Stock Exchange, which I think it's a fantastic exchange and the big board. I think that's going to help. Um, we have, believe it or not, a lot of the institutions that we have are mostly U.S. institutions. There isn't that many institutional uh, uh, buyers of uh, mining left in Canada, not like the old days. Um, we have some of them that are Canadian, but mostly are US and mostly are Europeans. And so we want to concentrate. We are going to list in London. We already decided as a company that we want to do that and create a market in an area that's got, that, that has a need for product. And I think that's going to help us. And again, our job as management now is to get the story out there of where we're going to be. Our story has changed. We are not a one-mine business. We have a fantastic mine that creates incredible amount of cash flow. It's going to do it for many years. We are going to go into Guyana and develop our next project, which in an area that I know how to work, I've built many mines. Okay. Well, let's talk about Torreparo. Let's talk, let's talk about that. Okay. I'm going to see if Segovia is going to continue as it has been. Okay. And I'm sure you'll tell me that you're going to scale it up as well. But Torreparo, it's already got 7.35 million ounces of measured and indicated. It's already huge. It's low grade. So why, why, well, one, how much did you pick that up for? And what do you think that's being valued at? Because, you know, based on what you've already well, told me, not a lot. If you look at our press release that we put out, there is two deposits over there. There is a deposit that is low grade, but um, very fantastic low grade. It's got almost half a percent copper, one and a half grams of gold. It's got 
it's got uh, a two to one stripping ratio, 2.7 to one stripping ratio. So very easy, uh, soporolytic material in the first 250 meter open pitable. So it's very low cost, no explosives, no things. That's the big deposit. But there is a new deposit that was announced by the Goldex people, that is the Hill project. Hill's got in resources uh, about three and a half million ounces. It's got a, a million and a half, uh, very well defined in an open pit, but with a big difference. It's two and a half to three grams per ton. Open pitable, first 250 meters, saprolytic. Then it goes underground and it's got a strike length of three kilometers, still open, underground. So we know this type of deposit because I built a mine called Choco 10 about 15 years ago in Venezuela um, that I sold to Goldfields. It's the same kind of mine. I mean, I, I, I take the picture of the old and put it in this is the same. So we see something that people haven't seen, which is this early stage deposit that we can take advantage. It can be built at a very low cost and develop a project very fast and take out two and a half gram material. Now, two and a half gram material, you're talking about $200 rock, $225 rock, with a stripping ratio of one and a half to two to one, okay? Even two to one stripping ratio, it's nothing. It's an earth moving operation with a very low cost gravitational free gold. There is no complication in this gold. And uh, uh, the copper is there, and it's very good copper. Over here, it's about half a percent copper. So it makes money, and it makes great money. In four months, what we're going to decide, in, uh, by August, we're going to have a scoping study that's going to tell us what direction to take, and that's going to be our first scope. It's not going to be the six million ounces. It's going to be the smaller deposit. So when you say it's low cost, low entry cost, um, obviously you've got a scoping study to do, but w w again, you, you tell me you've sort of looked at Idea, this before. What, it's what gonna number? Be custom, it's going uh, to be about $300 million to build a mine that's going to process 7,000 7, tons a day, um, build the whole facility, including the building of the plant and everything, uh, about three hundred to $350 million. Uh, putting a lot of contingency on top. Um, we're going to produce somewhere around 170,000 to 200,000 ounces of gold. And uh, about, uh, uh, I think it's somewhere around 10,000 uh, 10, tons of copper if we want to put the copper plant in there. So it's a very profitable thing. Right, but, but in, over what time frame are we talking about? Because you, obviously you're going to be diverting cash. Well, you're going to be taking cash straight from Segovia, well, putting it in the ground. You're going to raise some cash. The, and the, good thing, the good thing that we want to make clear to investors hmm. is Grand Colombia right now sits in a very comfortable situation. Number one, we got Wheaton that is ready to write a check, and we have an agreement for them to write a check for $150 million. So the money is there. And Grand Columbia these days, that is a B-plus rated Fitch company. And by the time we finish this feasibility and we start deciding how to take that thing, we're going to have zero debt on our book, 
has the capability of going into the market and raise debt to build this mine. We are not going to be putting equity out to, in this, in, in the, to develop this mine. It's going to be done with debt. Okay. So what's the t- so we can 150, you go to market, get some more debt. What's the time? We got for 150 that? from the market. We've, we got 300 million. We got 300 million for Marmato. We can get 150 for this project. Okay. Okay. So back to the question, which is then when does that start contributing towards the bottom line? What, what's the sort of time frame to get it up to speed? If we have the capability of using the Zijin plan, we could do it with less than eight months. If there is no capability of using the Zijin plan that it sits 30 kilometers, 40 kilometers away, if we don't have the capability of doing that and we have to build our own facility, 24 months will be in operation. Okay, so between eight and 24 months. I mean, t- and talking of Zijin, you're dealing with those well, effectively a government entity there. Um, are they quick to respond? Are they helpful? Are you encouraged? Or is it they're, they're, I'm, I'm very encouraged. You know, they're, they're very smart miners. They did a fantastic acquisition in, in Guyana. Uh, they're ramping up their operation, the Aurora operation, which is, like I said, 40 kilometers away from us. We believe they have spare capacity. We have to sit down and seriously analyze if they have the spare capacity. But even if they have the spare capacity for two years, three years, that gives me the time for me to use it, process, start the pit, and then build my own facilities. The reality is that even if I don't have their capability of doing things because they're doing, they're a monster of a company. They're bigger than Barrick, if you look at it in market cap. Um, We're gonna build our own facility. The, we'll how much additional it. capex will that require? I, and I assume you're going to say that's that can come from debt, whatever that number is. It's three. It, we believe it's somewhere in the three hundred million dollar range. And what's it if you manage to do the Zijin uh, deal? Less. What well, the decision would be probably half, one hundred and fifty, okay. and there is the money already in place with uh, yeah. We. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just trying to do some numbers in my head and trying to understand yeah. the, the timing of all of this. Uh, cause you know, it's all about the bottom line. Cause if you, a lot of companies, big companies fall into the danger of any money they produce gets plowed back into the ground to develop future. You know what I'm and saying? We, we, we earned the money, the money that comes out, we got to have discipline and we've been very good at discipline. We've shown it to reduce our debt and what we've done in, 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 in Segovia. Although Segovia is a cash cow, part of that cash is going to go, number one, companies, projects have to survive by themselves. You cannot borrow from one side to put it on the other side. That's an exercise in futility. It happens, right? Well, it happens, but one has to learn lessons from their past, okay? And believe me, we've seen it. Oh, you know, let's, we're making money here. Let's put it here. No, the project's got to be a standalone project. And the Toro Peru project is going to be built as a standalone without using the money of Marmat, of Segovia. We shall see as you, if you um, announce more to the market, we shall see what, what how you come at it. I'm looking forward the to The proof that. is in the pudding. They always. As they say. Always. Now let's talk about South America. Uh, lots of headlines at the moment about what's going on in Peru, what's happening in Chile, what was happening in Ecuador, doing business in Mexico. 
South America. So doing business in Colombia. Look, Colombia is going is going through the uh, the fashion of what's happening in Latin America these days. You have four countries that are going for election at the same time. That's basically 70% of the continent. You have an epidemic that has tired, not South America, has tired the world. People have no money. Youth have no jobs and no future of jobs. And uh, that's why Chile has gone into a revolt. That's why Peru is going, in my opinion, in the wrong direction if they go with the sky. Because, again, you have to learn from the past. And if the world hasn't learned who Hugo Chavez is or in Nicaragua who Ortega is, uh, then we don't learn from history. And, unfortunately, Peru wants to experience um, something that they're going to regret. And Ecuador experienced it. And that's why Ecuador this time went to the extreme from going from the left to the center. Now it went to the center right. And Ecuador is a population. All these Andean regions uh, have a very large indigenous population, which Colombia, by the way, does not have. Colombia, the indigenous population is only about 7%. And then there is all sorts of people. We're all mixed. We're, we have our black, our white, our Italian, our French, our Portuguese. So it's a little bit more homogeneous type of society. The difference between Peru is that Peru wants to experience something that I think it's going to blow up in their face. Why? They lived in the last four years, three presidencies, and all three presidencies have turned up corrupt. Uh, Chile has lived uh, a change in, uh, in, in, in a demographic or youth that want to see more money to be given to the masses than anything else instead of being concentrated in an area. I think we have the same problem in the U.S. Colombia is going through the same thing. A year and a half of not making money, unemployment, and in a presidential election with a president that um, hasn't shown that he should be as strong as he, as he should have been and, and, and as prepared. Very smart president. We like him very much, but I think he could have been more forward in getting things moving. And he made a mistake. You never put a financial reform to raise taxes on an election year, neither in South America, nor anywhere in the world. And they did that. And that's what started. The difference is, is Colombia going to go in the route of Peru or Chile? The answer is no. Colombia is a very conservative with a country with a lot of middle class. Um, the most popular guy that is a left, sort of like the guy in, in Peru, has only 25% of the vote. For the past six elections that he's run, that's what he gets, 25%. And then everybody that is in the center left 
center, right, or center at the end of election, they all get together and they say, no, we don't want that guy. And they move on. So I believe that that's what's going to happen. I'm very bullish on Colombia. I think Colombia is going to have, after election, an incredible growth. You have a government that is still very much pro-mining. It's pro-oil. Um, they want to grow. They realize that they need money. Now that they've been told that they cannot raise taxes, they got to tighten up their belt and they got to find a way to make things work and to create jobs. And the only way you create jobs is by having investments in a country. Foreign investment as well. You need, they need to encourage this. I, the only investment that there is in the world is foreign investment. <laughs> because nobody's going to be building a mine, a Colombian, very few Colombians will go and say, I'm going to take my family fortune and I'm going to build a mine for $500 million. It's a basket. Right. And the point I was getting to was you hit guidance last year. Well, you've hit guidance for the last five years. You're going to hit guidance this year. We are going to hit guidance, and I'm going to be as bold to say that we're going to hit the upper guidance more than the lower guidance. Okay, cool. Um, look, I, I think we, we I'm just conscious of your time. Um, we have covered a lot, but at a very high level. I wonder if we can get you back on to talk about, or even some of the other CS to talk about some of the actual projects specifically. Okay, now that we've kind of see how it all hangs together. Any time you want. I mean, that, that we wanted to make sure. If you remember, because I, I have a pretty decent memory still. Thank God that they invented this medicine for Alzheimer. Um, the conversation that I had with you was, give me two years and we will have a conversation at one point for us to see what this company is. You look at what this company is from two years ago when it was trading, I think, Actually, it was more like 175 a share because we did an issue at 220, okay, at one point. So this company was trading at 175 two years ago. Today, this company went as high as $8. Some people are complaining because, unfortunately, investors have a very short memory, but that's the way it is. I'm very happy from where I used to be. We used to be a 25-cent stock when I picked up this company. Today, we're at $5.14. I'm very happy with $5.14. And our investors that invested with us a long way are there. So we have a lot to talk about and we have a lot to show. And like I said to you, the proof is in the pudding. I would love to come back to you and talk to you about um, Goldex, how fantastic the company that we created is Aris Gold is going to be a fantastic company in the hands of a fantastic manager. You should interview him. I think he's worth interviewing him a thousand times. And um, what we're going to be doing with this company uh, uh, from here on also to diversify with the next project that is the project that we picked up in Spain that we believe that it's going to be. So we'll do another story. You tell me, invite me. I'll invite you. Don't you worry, Serafina. We'll get you back on real soon. Um, and we'll, we'll do a little deep dive on a couple of those things. Uh, great job. Let's not make it two years next time. Um, um, but we will be in touch and appreciate your time today. Thanks very much. Call me back in September. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.